All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to do weekdays with Swipe a Cam on Pickaxe and Roll. We're excited for this one. I wanted to join in middle of the week just because ton to talk about i think just nationally and then not not a lot to talk about nuggets wise because that's what happens when you play on monday and then you play on friday so excited to be able to chat a little bit about game three uh we'll we'll go over some other topics as well but swipe just let's check in how you doing man how you feeling about the series so far yeah it's been a really good series um feeling really good um you know, it's been an interesting week. I definitely want to uh, lift up Serbia and Belgrade. I know they're obviously going through a really difficult time right now. And, you know, obviously, you know, Serbia is a big family um, for us. And, you know, we care very deeply about you all. So, obviously, you know, we are we are definitely here for you. And we appreciate you all. Um, but it's been, a, it's been a really good week other than that. You know, I'm just really excited to see what happens in, in game three. You know, I have a lot of a lot of takes to get off. So, you know, I think it's going to be really good. Uh, my mentions are going to be crazy, but and and just every everything about what I what I fire off, I, I can't wait for people to see the fireworks. But uh, again, hey, uh, Serbia, we we feel for you, we love you, we we've been in this together with you for all this time, and we it's just really sad what's going on in Belgrade right now. So hopefully things are they just continue to get better. And was really happy to see that what Luka Doncic did today. Was not happy to see the Philadelphia fans that are like, why is Nikola Jokic not doing this? And uh, honestly, he probably is. And, and he probably just didn't make it public. But it's it's very like everybody just 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 have compassion in your heart for what's going on in Serbia. But let's move through here now. Uh, we've got a couple things we want to talk about on this particular episode of Weekdays with Swipe at Cam. Uh, the first thing that I want to discuss uh, just kind of a little bit differently. The Nuggets, they've been unbelievable so far. They've been great. Uh, to me, they've absolutely met expectations, potentially exceeded expectations. But for a lot of people, I, I think they were, uh, some people thought, hey, you're the one seed. This is what you're supposed to do. And some people thought, hey, we don't believe in you at all. We are going to, like, we think you're going to get whooped by Phoenix. So which is it, Swipe? Which is it? Like, did the Nuggets, have they met or exceeded expectations so far? Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I think this whole narrative shift has been really interesting to watch, Ryan. And the Nuggets come into the playoffs, and people were down on them because of the last month of the season, and they went 8-10 and 10 over the last 18. Jokic fell off to averaging 24-12-9 for the last 18 games or whatever it was. Uh, and then, you know, people were saying that the Timberwolves series was going to be a dogfight. They get out in 4-1, and then we hear afterwards the Nuggets were still in a dogfight with the Timberwolves. And then a majority of people, Ryan, picked the Phoenix Suns to beat the Denver Nuggets, and they said some said the series will end in four or five because the Nuggets can't guard their pick and roll, and yet the Nuggets have held them to a 104 offensive rating through the first two games of the series. And the team, they had just had a 123 offensive rating versus the Los Angeles Clippers. So the Nuggets have exceeded expectation because they have been dominant. I would say they've been the most complete team. Actually, the numbers would say they've been the most complete team in the playoff. Ryan, by the way, do you know the Denver Nuggets currently lead the entire playoffs in net rating 
with the number two playoff offense and the number three playoff defense. It's wild to think about, man. It's it's wild. Like that's 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 not what people were supposed to see. That's not what the Nuggets were supposed to be in these playoffs. They were supposed to team to be a team that dominated on the offensive end because of their personnel, but kind of struggled on the defensive end because how are you supposed to construct a defense around Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Nicole Jokic? Is, is there any way that you can really do that? Well, it turns out you can if those guys are all as bought in in, in the way that they are. And and I, I just think that that's that's an exciting prospect for Denver right now, that they've been able to have the best of both worlds, despite the fact that I, I think in some cases they're compromised, but in most cases they just adapt. They just survive. Yeah. Would you say that's been the most – well, let me ask you directly. What's been the most impressive thing to you about the Denver Nuggets, either as a team, the coaching, or maybe individual players? I think it's just the completeness. I, I think in, in my mind it is that they don't really have a lot of weaknesses right now. And, and I came into these playoffs assuming that they would be a little bit apathetic, assuming that they would be lax at various points, that their transition defense wouldn't be great. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot of things I could point to and say, okay, that's, that's probably something that a team is going to expose in the playoffs. Have the Nuggets been exposed yet? I'm still waiting on that. I'm still waiting for the, the flaw in the plan. I'm still waiting for, for all of that. And, and I just I haven't seen it so far. And that's what complete teams do is they they shore up their weaknesses and they don't allow you to pick at any of them. Yeah, I think one of the things that, Ryan, I've been hearing a lot, you know, whether it be shout out um, uh, to Brandon Marshall and Ashley Nicole Moss and then a shout out to, to Michael Smith and Affluential and others, shout out to a bunch of people. I have a lot of conversations about the Nuggets, ESPN, Undisputed, First Take, all that stuff. But a lot of people keep noting the Nuggets bench, and they keep noting the fact that the Suns are not getting any scoring off their bench. But, Ryan, the Nuggets aren't getting a lot of scoring off their bench. What they're getting from their bench is high-level defensive versatility, high-level. And maybe that's probably the most underrated aspect that a lot of people aren't talking about with the Nuggets is that you have in KCP, Aaron Gordon, Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, and Jeff Green, five six foot four to six foot eight wing option that are all interchangeable and that they've been playing extremely hard. Man, Christian Brown, like the level of defense that he's been playing so far in this playoff, Ryan, Kevin Durant in the matchup data per NBA.com shot one of five versus Christian Brown in game two. One of five. And then Kevin Durant versus Aaron Gordon shot three of 13. It's wild. This is this is exactly who we thought they could be, but they're just showing that there's just a higher level they could get to that not many other teams could get to defensively. I think that's that's of course it's wild. Of course it's something that they they didn't really show for extended periods of time in the regular season. I think that if you were a skeptic of the Denver Nuggets defense, you had good reason to be. That hey, they're they're not super proven. A lot of the pieces that they have that come off their bench uh, they they won't play as many minutes during the playoffs. And, and because of that, you're going to have these offensively compromised lineups. And, and so I'm not surprised that people had a little bit of concern there. But I just think that everybody's raised their levels. Everybody's raised their level of physicality, of aggression, of focus. Uh, nobody's missing contests. Nobody's missing closeouts. Nobody's missing box outs. Like these things are important in, in a playoff context. And, and Denver 
for all of the things that I think people had a little bit of concern about during the regular season, they just put those to bed because of effort and because of focus. And so I do think that this defense is for real. And and I I don't know whether they're going to be exposed to various points. Like I think that a a dynamic attack featuring uh, potentially like two elite pick and roll players at the same Mm. time could be a little bit different. But I, it's, there's there's a lot to ask there. It's like because not a lot of teams have that. A lot of teams have an elite guy and a really good guy that they pair together. A lot of teams just have good guys. So yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. And I'll say this, you know, I, I wanted to actually note this, Ryan. I haven't talked about this on Twitter yet, but I'm going to. You know, the Denver Nuggets main bench lineup. Can you can you name it off the top of your head? The not let me say Denver Nugget non Jokic bench lineup. I can. Uh, it's generally Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, and Aaron Gordon. That's generally the group that they use. Okay. So that that has 26 minutes together, which for relatives in a seven-game sample size is pretty good. Again, you know, whatever. Can it's you just give me, a, give me a guess uh, what you think the offensive and defensive rating for that lineup is? Man, offensive rating like it, it definitely doesn't feel like they've been scoring as much uh, just just with the with the non Jokic minutes. So I'd probably guess about a, a 105 offensive rating, but they've been positive, I know. So we'll we'll say 105 offensive rating, 100 defensive rating. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, well, Ryan, you know, again, the statistician analyst himself, they actually have a 111 offensive rating, mm. and I think you actually gave them a little too much credit defensively. They have a 92.3 defensive Ooh, rating. That's fun. Which that's is fun. a plus 19 net rating. That's Ryan, amazing. they are absolutely obliterating people defensively. And because what I love is that all year people were clamoring for Aaron Gordon at center. Who knew that when Aaron Gordon was at center, they would run and become the 2004 Detroit Pistons? Who knew? Who knew? That's that's just it's the mentality you have to have. But I think the versatility of those three guys that are kind of the defensive pillars in that group, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown and Aaron Gordon. It's such a big deal. Like you can put Christian Brown on Kevin Durant and not feel like you have to send help all the time. Now, they will sometimes, but sometimes they're just going to let him let him go one on one. And if you force a mid range two, then that's fine. It's, it's just don't don't foul. And I think Denver's done such a great job without fouling in a lot of those combinations. And it's that's been great to see that, that they're not giving up the easy stuff. They're not giving up the threes. They're not giving up the uh, free throws. They're not giving up the layups like it has all been the hard stuff. And so yeah. that's that's the most important thing you can do on a team like Phoenix is just make it difficult. Yeah, I think the, I, I just, you know, Ben Taylor put a video out today, Ryan. Not sure if you got a chance to see it. Yet. I watched it and I loved it. Right. I love the fact of how he was explaining why they've been so good. Ryan, those X outs, the rotations, everything, they have just been so good. And you know, Ryan, we saw this uh, early December, remember, middle of December maybe, when they first beat the Memphis Grizzlies uh, 105 to 91. Remember, yeah. they started going on that tear, and, and the defense was like, yo, like, this is for real. They're, ter- they're turning up. And then they had a DeCeltis game where they think 123 to 111 was the final score, and then they mm. kept winning and winning and winning. But, Ryan, man, like, I think I can't give enough credit to Coach Michael Malone for – 
how he's got these dudes locked in. And the funny thing is, Ryan, a lot of people, when they talk about the Denver Nugget defense, they're like, well, they were only like the, the 14th or 15th ranked defense in the regular season. So, you know, surely they're not that good in the playoff. But if you actually look at it, Ryan, again, since December, they basically have been like the seventh ranked defense in the NBA. And then they just went another level up in the playoffs. And now you're just like, Kevin Durant has to deal with in Devin Booker, KCP, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and then Aaron, and then Jeff. And then if you get a good matchup, you get Jamal Murray and you get Michael Porter Jr. And both of them, for the most part, have been very good defensively. Been, been, been decent, man. Like it's it's just it's so important for Denver to not have weaknesses. And I think that the people that thought that Denver had weaknesses were looking at Jokic. They were looking at Murray. They were looking at Porter. What they weren't really looking at is that those guys in different moments have strengths and, and like they'll have some of those weaknesses picked apart. Like I think that Porter sometimes he'll get caught out of position. He will, mm-hmm. he will not cut off the right angle, things like that. But with, with Murray, sometimes he'll not provide that extra effort uh, on, on like a box out or, or like a closeout or something like that. Or might, he might space a little bit, might be a little late. And for Jokic, it's just the foot speed, like everything else. He's actually really good, but I, I just don't think that people really incorporated the fact that, look, you got to get through, like you said, all those first, second, and third lines of defense in order to get to the weaknesses. And 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 Denver's just done such a great job of, of defending even when it feels like they should be compromised. And, again, uh, we asked for Jokic to play high-level defense, and Jokic has played high-level defense. He's been very good with his positioning, very good with his footwork, very good when it coming up to the level. And even in drop coverage, which they rarely do you know, for Cameron Payne and CP3, he's been fine. Like, you know, again, you got to scheme how you scheme. But, you know, he's let Devin Booker get around him, I think, maybe twice, I think, in the first two games. But really, outside of that, he's been really good. And this is not speaking to the fact, Ryan, but on the other end, Jokic is averaging 31.5, 17.5, and 5, you know, versus so. Decent. Decent right there. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's been really good. I, I think that the Denver Nuggets defense is for real because they have never in the Michael Malone era had the level of defensive proficiency at the key position they need. And Aaron Gordon has looked every bit like the player they were hoping to get on March 25th, 2021. He's been even better defensively than I think he's been ever in his Nuggets career. He's been unbelievable, and and I, I think that he has an all-defensive ceiling. This is stuff that we talked about and, and what he could raise his game during the regular season for. Now, it takes a lot of effort to do that, and, mm-hmm. and I think that he he did bring it in some matchups. Like there, There's no doubt about it that in various matchups he did bring it, but sometimes it's just hard to manufacture that urgency that you have to have when guarding Kevin Durant and Devin Booker in the playoffs. Like Sometimes you're just not going to have that in the regular season, and that's okay, but – uh, I, I'm just very impressed with Aaron Gordon, as you mentioned. KCP has been unbelievable. Bruce Brown has been unbelievable too. Christian Brown might be the best defender of all of them. It's just, it's sick. It is, it is sick what Calvin Booth has done, and and just how great Denver has has turned themselves into. Let me ask you this before we yeah. before we hit a break here. I, I can sense, especially after Joel Embiid received the MVP, and especially after kind of the the voting came out, that there's been a lot of people like we really gave. Joel Embiid, the MVP, despite the fact that statistically it was clear that he wasn't the most deserving candidate. And now we're kind of seeing what that looks like in the playoffs where, 
oh yeah, Denver, they were just injured, I guess. And and Joel Embiid still like he, he's he's still injured too. And I, I don't want to take that away from him. Like he he's come back early from this injury and looks like he's come back early from an injury. And that sucks. It, it's just it's unfortunate that that's gotten to that. But I, I think we see a lot of these narratives around Jokic and the Nuggets shifting a little bit. I, I think we can we can sense that. And then are are they actually shifting, or is that just me kind of having some wishful thinking here? So the other day, uh, as you probably saw on my Twitter, Nick Wright came out on a game right after Jokic at 39-16-5 with one block and two steals and was a plus two shot, 17 to 30, right? 15 to 24 from two, right? Two of six from three. 18 points in the third quarter. Some more shuffle to end the third quarter, right? Who remembers? Um, And so Nick Wright came out that next day and basically said what Jokic did, having 39 points on the efficiency he did in a game that they scored 97 points, was similar to what Michael Jordan did in the 1998 NBA Finals when he had 45 points and he scored 87 points. And he was just talking about how impressive that was and how you have to have moments like that from the best player. That, if you know Nick Wright, was Nick Wright giving compliments to Michael Jordan and Nikola Jokic, whom he has not had a great history of association with. So the fact that even Chris Broussard, before the Sun Series, said that if Jokic goes on a crazy run, a real run, he has an argument for the best player in the NBA. The fact that Stephen A. and all these other people will finally see them, well, the Suns got to win game two, and then the Nuggets play defense, hold them to 87 points. Jokic has 39, 16-5 after a 24-19-5 performance, and people are slowly, but I think almost like a little bit faster than you would have thought, turning towards Jokic is actually one of those dogs. And also, shout out to Jason Timpson, the volume. I didn't realize this until yesterday. Nikola Jokic is currently the all-time leading scorer among centers in points per game in NBA history in the playoffs. Which, I was like, wait a minute. That's right. I remember he was top 10, but he's the number one in points per game among all centers in NBA history. Shaq, Kareem, Hakeem now, granted. If you, if you, if you filtered it out, as they talked about, for the age 28, he will be fourth, but he will be fourth behind Kareem, Shaq, and Wilt and Jokic. <laughs> so that that's what I mean. Like, and that's not even including the playmaking. That's not including the rebounding. So everyone seems to be slowly but surely being like, the Nuggets are better than we thought. They're elite. They have the JJ Reddick today, Stephen A. Smith, other analysts they might have the most complete package of any team in the NBA playoff. This is after people saying that they thought the Suns were going to beat them. A majority were going to beat them going into the second round. That First of all, that, that ESPN forecast is always hilarious because people right. are just like, ah, we'll just take the favorite most of the time. But that's just hilarious. And also, shout out to Jason, who I know ranked him seventh behind Jason Tatum. In, in his player rankings at the beginning of the season for like, hey, who do you who do you want in the playoffs? Like, uh, but but shout out Jason. I know he does good work too. But look, you're right. It just just like what I said, he's not going to be ranked seventh after this playoff run. That's for sure. Like, there's there's no way that anybody can can see what he's doing and, and really dismiss it because I mean, 
he he's come like it's over Rudy Gobert, it's over DeAndre Ayton, and and potentially in, in the next round, it's either over Draymond Green or Anthony Davis. Like if he does rise to the occasion in those moments, and the Nuggets do rise to the occasion trying to get this done, then there there's just a lot that people are going to have to answer for, and and I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. That's that's well, that's what drives me, man. <laughs> right, I think too. How much how much of this now? do you think can be contributed to the fact that Kevin Durant is one of the media darlings? And there's, there's a good amount of people that think he's the best player in the world. And they, when he went to the Suns, that he was going to take them as the prohibited favorite. Because they, they were. They were the prohibited favorite coming out the West, going into the playoff. How much of the narrative around Joker do you think is changing because he's doing this while being the best player in a series versus Kevin Durant? Oh, I think there's no doubt. I think this is – a lot of this comes down to, like, analytics versus Hoopers – in that, in that entire conversation. And it's obviously, it's way more complicated than that. But if you want to boil it down to the, the different groups of people that back these different players, then I think that there's, there's a lot of folks that are like, yeah, Kevin Durant's th- th- was really going to work in the playoffs. Kevin Durant's was really going to translate. And uh, Denver's just got a better team. And I, I think that they've, they've made that work, but I, I, it might be a little bit different if, if teams had to load up on Joker the way that they did on Kevin Durant. Like, like the Nuggets just have so many weapons and defensive guys that they can throw at KD and the coverage that they have, and the Suns just don't have that. But we did just see what happened in, against the T-Wolves last, last playoff round. Like, you've got the three-time DPOY and Carl Anthony Towns. Like, it it's, doesn't get much better than that for, for matchups against Joker, and he just crushed it up by the end. Yeah. I think some of this is, you know, I, I just think it's interesting though, Ryan. Now people are saying the Suns are undermanned. I love Mark Spears. I love Mark Spears. He is one of my heroes in the game. And even he came out and has said multiple times the Suns are winning the series because they got the pick and roll with Joker. He's going to get exposed. And now they're up 2 well. Mark Spears, like, well, the Suns are undermanned. I still don't believe in the Nuggets. I'm like, Mark, but you just picked the Suns. Like, how? How in the world are you now switching over from now? They're not the favorite because they're undermanned. And now CP3 gets hurt, and all of a sudden CP3's in the game. They win the fourth quarter. But it's like, what did he have, eight points? So, again, it's just interesting how everything molds and changes. But the Nuggets, all you have to do is to keep on winning. I just know that if Mark Spears and Kirk Goldsberry showed up on the low post together, they would definitely pick the Clippers over the Nuggets. That's that's what they would definitely do. So it, it is what it is. We can we can and the Clippers just lost to the Suns in in embarrassing fashion almost. So like actually, you know what? That's not true. That's not true. I, I don't want to like shout out to the Clippers who who fought the good fight without their stars. That's that's uh, it is what it is. But right, look, right. It, it's uh, it's an interesting interesting factor here. So. Tell you what, man. Hey, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, game three, different adjustments, and and Chris Paul's status, which was just updated before this. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Baseball is back. The push for postseason is here for hockey and for hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. 
are back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Joined by my guy, Swiper on this podcast. Uh, Swiper wearing the Swiper hat, looking spiffy. I see I see comments down here. That's uh, that's amazing here. <laughs> got got a nice compliment here for you. <laughs> Let your neck breathe, brother. You, you, like it nah, all, bro. you like it all buttoned up right here? Yeah, bro. It's the style, bro. You can say, I'm not going to hold y'all, bro. I'm from, I'm from Park Hill, Denver, Colorado. You know, we had a lot of Mexicans in the, uh, in the community when I was growing up, and this is how they used to wear it. I used to always think they looked so clean. I've been wearing it like that ever since. Hey, man, I, I'm with you. Like, it, it is it is tight. It is fresh. Like, you already know. I totally get it with you. But, um, all right, let's now – transition chris paul's injury status came out just before this podcast i think we all kind of knew where this was going but uh groin injury he is out for game three we do not know what his status is going to look like for game four but honestly i think it's probably going to be out for game four as well uh just your initial thoughts on on chris paul being out at this point we talked about it just a little bit before but i I don't know what this is going to look like for phoenix yeah i mean you're losing I don't know, their second best playmaker, depending on how you have Devin Booker, wherever you want to put him, maybe the best playmaker. Um, I think the fact that you're already depending on your top four, you know, more than any team in the NBA maybe, and now you're losing maybe your third best player right now in this series, which, you know, him or Aiden. So, you know, I think this is going to be a lot more DJ, more Wilson. I think this is going to be a lot more Cameron Payne. And I think if the Nuggets thought they were hunting matchups before – yeah, um, you know, you know, yeah, it will. This is, yeah, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Chris Paul, like, if, 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 like you said, if campaign is the guy who they start, like, you better believe that, that they are going to try to come after campaign on those pick and rolls. They're going to try to get Murray switched onto him. They'll have Murray get into the post against him, try to get a couple of easy possessions. And whether that's when, uh, yeah, whether that's when Jokic is out there or if, if Porter's out there, I don't know. If I were Denver, I would try to get to those spots when those guys aren't on the floor just to see, like, not not try to compromise too much. I don't think Denver changes too much because of the Chris Paul injury because I think they're the better team before, and I think they're definitely the better team after. But most important thing for this is, like you said, not a lot of depth, no idea who they're going to start, no idea who they're going to go with, but it, it would not surprise me if Denver decides, yeah, we're gonna, we're, we're just gonna target whoever's out there now. So yeah, we will see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I think campaign can have some good moments. Uh, I think the Suns are gonna be looking for their shots as much as possible, especially at home uh, with their role players. Let's now move to the adjustments here. Phoenix, you score eighty-seven points in games uh, in game two. You're going to try to change some things up in game three just to get Devin Booker free, to get Kevin Durant free, trying to make things easier for those guys. I'm not sure what what the best strategy is to make things easier for those guys, though, because it feels like Denver's just loading up super heavy on whoever's touching the ball there. Is there a way that they can free up those guys a little bit more uh, just just to try to get away from Denver's defense? But I I just don't know what what it looks like for this. They're, again, as some of us said before the series, their entire offense is predicated on 50-plus percent of their offense coming from pull-up mid-range twos from mid-range. So I don't know what the counteract for that is unless you're saying Devin Booker. I think he's going to be on ball more, so they might ask Devin to be a more of a passer at times because Josh Okogie and Cameron Payne will have opportunities to shoot it, 
But the thing is, is that like the Nuggets are going to funnel it towards the corners, but they're going to get there. So like, I don't see them getting up more shots than they did. I think you're going to have more points scored from the Suns because the Suns scored, they what they scored 107 in game one, and then they scored uh, 87 in game two. So I think the Suns are going to score over 105 points maybe again, but their their offense is so isolation dependent that I don't actually think that unless they're hitting more shots, that their offense is going to get better versus the Nuggets who are their their entire premise is getting good shot quality and setting their defense. And if the Nuggets have a set defense, then they're going to funnel you to where they want you to shoot the ball. Part of it is just going to be in, in my mind, hey, they took 31 threes and I think they made six of them. Like mm-hmm. they're going to make more at home. I, I got to imagine that it's, it's going to be a little bit better. Now, a lot of those threes were rushed. A lot of those threes were not in rhythm. Mm-hmm. I think Denver's defense deserves a lot of credit for that, of course, but uh, it, it's always tough to just say, oh, yeah, like six of 31 from three. That's a repeatable thing for Denver to do. Uh, it, it's it's probably going to come down to, hey, can Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant make the mid-range shots that they, that they mostly missed in game two? I, I think Devin Booker was pretty good at most of the time, but KD, 10 of 27, like he's good enough that if, if they get – 13 of 27 from him instead, which is closer to 50%. And if they get four more threes from their role players, maybe one of them is from KD, then that automatically is 12 extra points, which you add that to 87 and you get to 99, 99, 103. Maybe, like maybe that's where you're getting to. Like there's not a, there's not a high ceiling on, on what, the Suns are on are what they're putting out there, really. Like, I think their floor is still super low. And the ceiling on this, like, even if you're playing guys like Landry Shamit, Damian Lee, spacing it out a little bit more, it's it's like, okay, you're getting up to 105, 106, 108. Like, Denver can still go for 120. Yeah, I just think it's interesting, the narrative, even around the defense in this series, because a lot of the analysts are you can always tell who the expected favorite is in a series, Ryan, that if they're if the favorite's losing, they talk about what the, 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 the team that's losing is not doing rather than what the other team is doing that's winning. And the, the people keep saying, well, the Suns played a good enough defense because they held the Nuggets to 97 points without also alliterating the fact that the Suns shot 6 of 31 from three, the Nuggets shot 7 of 27 from three, and Jamal Murray had a worse shooting game than Kevin Durant did. Yeah. So... I think all of that is going to rise back up to where the average is, if not above the average. But even still, I, you know, look again. You know, we'll maybe we'll make our prediction here in a little bit, man. I just, uh, I think if the Nuggets withstand the Phoenix Suns run through the top of the fourth quarter, I think they can close the game out because I think the Suns are going to make shots. But because of the personnel and because of the way Nuggets in their offense, they just have the ability to outshoot you down the stretch of games. One thing that I think really stands out. DeAndre Ayton, I think, had 14 points in game one and 14 points in game two. Like he was, I think it was seven of 11 from the first in the first game and seven of 10 in the second game. Mm-hmm. Do you think they make more of an effort to try to get no. him some touches? You, you, no, you don't have like, to finish even, that. Even without Chris Paul out there? No, Holy they cow. don't run their offense through him, bro. They, they have not done this all year. The only time they did that is when Devin Booker was out, when he was hurt. They don't prioritize Ayton touches unless it's a reaction to what the defense is doing they're not building that in as an like a a, like let's this is our first or second option 
So I think Aiden could score more points. The problem is Aiden's points are put shots at the free throw line and either put backs or Devin Booker holding the ball, waiting for it to clear, and then giving it to Aiden. That's just not what his role is in that Suns offense. And I don't think that Kevin Durant and Devin Booker trust him to be a scorer, like to, to be a scorer that's a an action scorer. Like when he gets on the post, even when he's there, versus Jokic or Bruce Brown, he just doesn't have like the technical skills you would like to be able to get to his spots and get to him easy. I think he's the third best post scorer on his team. Wow. I mean, that's I was just thinking like, okay, if he has to post up Jokic, who do I like in that matchup? I definitely like Jokic in that matchup. Like just just walling him up a little bit, not letting him get to an easy jump hook. He's gonna force it out a little bit farther. He's gonna not gonna give up any any ground there. Like it, it's that's just a that is a tough prospect. I think I think for the Suns that hey you can only really count on fourteen to eighteen points in all likelihood from your from your max contract center. Like that's mm-hmm. that's tough. Like they 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 screwed up. I, I really do think that they screwed up with him. There's. There was more that they could get out of his game, and they decided that they wanted to go through somebody else, and they decided that they wanted to go a different direction, turn him into uh, Kevon Looney. If we're being honest, like that's that's who they wanted him to be, and then it's just like he's not that. Yeah, not for what thirty five million dollars a year. Um, I think is what he's making on a four year right. deal. So I think look, I like Aiton too. I, I think Aiton's good. I just think the way that the Suns players, the coaches, the fan base, the way they deal with him, and people are just like, Aiton has to give you more. I'm like, what do you mean give you more? When has he given you more? And people keep bringing up that 2021 run. Ryan, they played against a Lakers team with no Anthony Davis in the middle of the series. They played against a team with the Denver Nuggets with Faku Composo, Austin Rivers getting shredded, who's getting fed lobs and dump-offs in a pick-and-roll game. And then on the other side of that, they played in the third round. Who did they, they played the Clippers with no Kawhi, no Kawhi, and they what won that in six. And then they went to the finals, ran into Giannis off of two games. They got a two-game head start because Giannis got a knee injury versus the Atlanta Hawks. And then as soon as Giannis got healthy, it was a four straight game march to the title. So I just don't think, man, that is I don't think I don't know what they're wanting Aiden to do. Like do you want him to play better versus Joker? What does that even look like? He's not Anthony Davis. It's a good question. It's a good question. I I think that they would like you would think that they'd want to try to get Joker into foul trouble, right? Like that's that's one thing. And if you're running plays through Aiden a little bit, like at least he can get into the shoulder of Jokic, try to draw some fouls on offensive rebounds and putbacks and things like that. But I, I don't know, man. Like, I, Joker's done a great job of defending him so far this series. He's done a great job defending yeah. in the playoffs. I, I just, it, it's not a great matchup for Phoenix. Which, how funny is that to say? Who do you think? Who, well, let me ask this: Can you rank all three of the centers the Nuggets have faced so far? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's why Rudy Gobert is definitely the top guy. I think so. Uh, like, like undoubtedly the top guy. Towns started to figure some things out in that in the end of that series, games four and five. So I think I'd probably rank him two and eight and three. But I, you could you could give me the you give me the opposite ranking, and I, I'd I'd feel okay with it. Yeah, I just think that look, man, Jokic just again, Town Aiton is a good defender. So people are going to act like because Jokic is scoring on him, he's not a good defender. He is a good defender. But Jokic, I'm telling you, man, this playoff series started him with a three time DPOI. And Carl Anthony Towns, now he's seeing Aiden. If the Nuggets are able to get past this round, 
He has that Draymond and AD next. I'm telling you, man, Jokic could be on a run. He could go on a run in the Western Conference. Man, then he's going to have to face Bam Adebayo in the, in the NBA Finals. It's going to be crazy. Hey, talk about it. Come on, Jimmy. Come on, playoff, Jimmy. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Ain't no way that the Philadelphia 76ers are getting past the Heat. They've got too much are you, mental. You, you think Philly's beating the Celtics? No. No. I don't think – I think the Celtics are beating them, and – I think the Celtics will probably beat the Heat, but like, I mean, who knows? Who knows at this point? Like, I we wasn't really on the docket for this, but like, we could talk about it. Like, who who do you think? Uh, who do you think comes out of the East? I mean, it has to be the Celtics. I mean, it has yeah. to be right. I just think like I picked the Celtics. They were my second after the Bucks, and then the Bucks flamed out. But I already said this: if Jimmy Butler's healthy, oh, he's getting by the Knicks, and Jimmy Butler is going to make that a seven-game series versus the Celtics. You better believe it. Because he owes them for that pull-up three he missed last year. And if you're telling me you got Jimmy Bucket, a.k.a. Michael Jordan 2.0 in the 2023 NBA playoff with a game seven on the line, give the ball to Jimmy. <laughs> oh, my God. He's he's unbelievable, man. Watching him in that game five against Milwaukee, was it was a, it was a spiritual experience in Kevin Durant <laughs> in, in his terms. So that's, uh, that is hilarious. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd probably take Boston, too, to, to come out of there. But, yeah, I mean, Embiid just doesn't look good. Like, he he looks he looks yeah. like he can't move sideways is, is really the problem. And that's, like, not a surprise. So, I have an honest conversation about this. Okay, mm-hmm. just quickly. So, Embiid just won the MVP. Congratulations. Yeah. Again, sincerely, congratulations. Because yeah, he, no. is the, he, he is the second – he is the second African-born MVP in NBA history behind Hakeem Olajuwon. That's huge, especially if you know Embiid's story. That is incredible. But, Ryan, that set aside, do you think that even after this playoff run, because Embiid obviously has the LCL injury, he's averaging 18.8 points a game, nine rebounds and three blocks, and I think one assist. I think he might have like a, a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio right now, but he had five crazy blocks versus the Celtics. Do you think that we're going to actually be able to get a proper assessment of Embiid, or, or do you think that we have to take the injury assessment as a part of Embiid's legacy, and that Embiid, whether it be performance or injury, is he is just not the same player as he is in the regular season in the playoff setting because he's facing playoff defenses? It definitely does feel like where his career is going right now is in the realm of a Penny Hardaway or Grant Hill, like a, like one of the biggest what-ifs in, in NBA history. What if Joel Embiid just stayed healthy for his entire career? What would that look like? Like that dude was unbelievable. They talk about it like like Arvidas Sabonis is like this mythological figure in international hoops where, okay, like you never really got to see him at the peak of his powers, but there was always this this vision of what it would look like. I think that's kind of where we're getting with it. Like, I, I don't see it really manifesting, but there's still time in Embiid's career for that to change. But it, it does feel like, man, it's every year, every second round, we're thinking about Embiid, like, can he actually get through this playoff run healthy? And he's, he's just been, he's been snake bitten in that, like, just, just has not been able to survive it. And I mean, I'm not one of those guys that's all about best ability, abilities, availability, because I think it undercuts the actual like talent level for both of those guys. But if at some point, like it's it's just a it's just a fact at, at this point that 
Joker shows up in the playoffs and has been really, really good almost every single time. And Embiid shows up in the playoffs and, and has, he has yet to provide that dominant playoff run that, that I think a lot of people have been, have been seeking out with them. So it's, it's too bad, man. But I, I just, I don't, I don't see it coming with him. Yeah. And I also want to say this, cause somebody asked uh, in the comment section, not that one, <laughs> this one. Goodness gracious. Is there anything he can do with his body to combat without losing certain effectiveness on the court? And I, I, I truly believe this, Ryan. I don't think that is is I just don't think that somebody that big, seven foot one, with that athleticism, I think it's just really people don't understand the amount of force that he puts on the court when he plays. And so I just think that that's something that he just has to deal with because I don't think you you just it's hard to imagine someone that big moving that well. And, you know, your body just sometimes it just it just struggles to get through it. But to your point, Ryan, do you know, Yoke is this playoff run just rounding up 28, 14 and eight so far, 28, 14 and eight so far through the playoff run. You know, you want to know what's something funny? That's that's just Joker's regular season stats last year. (laughs) Yes, that's actually true. (laughs) Which is nuts. He did that for an entire 82 game season. And and people. People found ways to try to discredit that as like, oh man, just because he was a six seed, like it, it doesn't matter. But like he was freaking dominant then too. But him to do that in the playoffs in a pressure cook situation where you're facing off against Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton and potentially Draymond Green or Anthony Davis or one of those guys, and then just just gonna have to see how it goes from there. But it, it has been an incredible run for Jokic so far, and I hope that he continues to ride this wave because this this has. Like people talk about Tim Duncan in 2003. They talk about Shaq in 2000. They talk about some of these historic big man runs through the playoffs. This could be one of those two. Dirk in 2011. Like they, they talk about all of these. And there is potential for Jokic to maybe not exceed some of those, but at least match them. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you're going too low for me. Um, this is more like a. More like the 91 Michael Jordan run, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. We can, we can talk about that later. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, what's what's the best way the Nuggets can win game three in your eyes? Well, I don't know if you heard Joker. Well, duh, of course you heard Joker earlier. Uh, when they asked him, um, you know, what about, like, you know, what do you need to do? Like, the Suns are going to come out this and that. And he was like, oh, yeah. No, they should just lay down and just give us the victory or whatever, you know, and surrender. <laughs> Look, the Nuggets are confident. Like, they feel good. And I, I don't – it's not an arrogance. I think the Nuggets are just – they're finally healthy. They're finally able to put it to the test. And respectfully, they 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 think the Suns are a good team. They know who KD and Book are. But they are not afraid of them. And they know they're the better team with the yeah. best player. So, I think it's them playing within themselves. Because what's going to happen is the Nuggets are going to do what they do. Everything the Suns are doing, their defensive counters, what they're running on offense, they're doing, they're reacting to the Denver Nuggets. So they're constantly on their heels throughout the entire game. The Nuggets have set the floor, they've set the pace, and they've set the standard. All the Nuggets have to do is do what they want to do. And everything I think works for them. And I do think the Nuggets are going to get another win in game three. And I I think it's not a, this is not an, an arrogance thing. It's just the Nuggets feel like the best team in the playoffs right now. And they feel like they're the team that knows they have the most to prove as well. 
And when those two things come together, I, I think it's a it's a very special thing that happens where you've got all of these opportunities to prove yourself in, in previous years. And if you fall short in those times or if you, you miss the boat in some of those times, then it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I think the Nuggets, they've had plenty of that. They've had those growing pains. They know what it's like to miss out and they're not going to feel that again if they can choose it. So they have an opportunity to dictate their own faith this time around and to dictate their own fate. And I think that's, they've got a great chance to, to come out of this on top in game three. Uh, if Joker plays the way that he played in game two, then I think that's a great start. Murray is going to have to respond. He'll be better than when he was in game two, whether he's elite in game three or not, that remains to be seen. Uh, would be nice to get Michael Porter Jr. going as well. Getting him some early touches, early shot opportunities would be great. But also, Denver's got to make it easier on themselves. And the best way they can do it is to defend, rebound, run. And that's just the, the formula that they've had for the entire season. It's the easiest way for them to get Michael Porter Jr. going is a transition three on the right wing. Like, easy mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. You know, this might not be a Porter series, but only because they don't need Porter as a scorer necessarily. They needed defense, which I don't know if you saw, but he played pretty good defense last game. But again, you know, he wasn't better than Christian and Bruce. But like that block he had on that rotation, again, this is just Porter doing his job. Lord willing, if everybody stays healthy, they get through this series. That next round, Porter, that will be a Porter series. Because either one of those teams, they're going to need that release valve. And he's going to be there. So I think Porter, this is just, the fact that Porter and Gordon are both averaging around 15 points a game, and Porter had basically been on cruise control outside of like three, four quarters so far in the playoff. I guarantee you, man, I think Porter is going to have one of these series in the next couple, hopefully. And yeah. So is is he the guy that Devin Booker is going to punch in the face in Game Four, or will that be Bruce Brown or Christian Brown? Like like slap them, slapping for the ball, like like what Joker had happened in uh, in uh, twenty twenty one. I don't have Porter ever gotten up. Has Porter ever had an issue with anyone other than Zach Collins when he dunked on him? Porter has the most malleable personality. Everybody likes Porter. He doesn't talk to you. The agitators are Bruce because he will talk to you. KCP because he will talk to you and he's physical. And Christian because it doesn't make sense that I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it a band with y'all. Y'all know. Y'all come to my channel. You know what time it is. This six foot six white boy. But out of nowhere, off the bench, who's a rookie, is literally lining up in your face. He's getting in Kevin Durant's deal, getting in Devin Booker's grill, and you can't get by him. Yeah, that he's the mark because when yeah, that's the guy you punch in the damn face. Like that's the one. <laughs> that's the mark right there. And, and because he's going to be right there, he's going to get in your grill. Like Kyle Anderson already showed weakness in Game One last round. Right. Like, there's, there's no doubt. Like they somebody is going to punch Christian Brown in the face, and I, I can't wait for for it to be Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah, I think Devin is looking for – I would say if the game gets out of control in game three and they're getting embarrassed, they're down 15 with like four minutes left, oh, yeah, you better believe there's going to be some antics. Oh, my God. Well, we will just have to see what happens, my man. But this was a good show. This was a good opportunity uh, for, for everybody, I think, to be primed for, for game three tomorrow. The wait is almost over, everybody. This has been – it's been a stress, not not a stressful time, but it's been, it's been a good time for Nuggets fans to kind of reflect on on just how great things have been over the course of these past couple of weeks. But uh, for for everybody in in the NBA world, I think they've come to a reckoning that look, 
Denver Nugget for real. Like this is this is an opportunity for them to really make their mark in this league. And and I, I think that this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to see the way that the Suns actually respond in game three and, and if that's actually uh, if they're capable of doing it. But any any final thoughts, man, before we get out of here? Wait, did you give a prediction for game three? Oh, I didn't. I, I oh oh Nuts win a heartbreaker for in for that Phoenix crowd. I, I think that one of Joker or Jamal will hit a clutch shot that puts them up by four right at the end of the game, and and people are going to go home pissed because uh, they'll they'll give a great effort. They will they will come out and they will shoot better. They're going to play better. But I think that Denver will will ultimately win Game Three. I think Denver's going to win Game Three. Jokic's rebounding is incredible right now. Can we get a th- – I mean, it depends. If they single cover him again and he shoots, I don't think he's going to reach – he might not reach 30 because I think Jamal has a better game. I would say maybe Jokic has like a 27, 28, 20, and 6 line. I think that might be on the table for tomorrow. Man, that will be hilarious. I, Joker, the, the best thing he does when he's when he is – uh, knowing that a win has to happen is he rebounds the damn ball. So that'll be a great, great opportunity for him to just uh, get in the way of, of all of these shots and, and get in the way of all these rebounds. That'll be a great opportunity. But we will see. We will see. I predict Michael Porter breaks out of the slump. That's my that's my biggest thing for tomorrow. Uh, but before we go, I forgot to tell everybody uh, we have a watch party May 5th tomorrow for Game 3 at West Rail Tap and Grill, 7.30, uh, Denver Stiffs Night Out. This is going to be a great opportunity. I will be there on because I'm not traveling on, on this particular one, but I will be there for this. So make sure to check out West Rail Tap and Grill on this potential uh, Game 3. And hopefully this is a win. Hopefully everybody gets to enjoy it, my guy. But for now... That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Everybody, thank you so much for the love and support. He is Cam. Everybody, we enjoy doing these. I know this is a weekdays with Swipa edition, but we've had a lot of fun doing these shows together, and, and I, I always love it, for sure. Like, this is... This has been great content, and I know that Swipe is enjoying it, too. We got the bops going. This has been a fun time. Everybody hit that like button, please, on the way out. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.